My name is Brian. I am uh, the student pastor here at the fellowship. And I was standing in the back, um, the greeters in the back, and I said, listen, I know what is about to happen when Lynn gets on stage. Um, He's either going to make a joke about me going to the Taylor Swift concert, but I figured maybe he'd let me slide on that, and he did. Um, But I knew he was going to make some kind of Alabama joke. I knew it was coming. I was preparing myself for it, and and it was funny. Um, Lynn, uh, Tennessee played yesterday, too. I think it was on PBS Network, but I think they interrupted it in the third quarter for a special episode of Mr. Rogers. That's what the rumor I heard was. I didn't watch it. Um, and, and Neil, how sad is it when you said black and gold? I thought you were talking about Mount Juliet. <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know where he is, but that's really what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah, Mount Juliet, that's awesome. Um, I say this every time uh, they allow me to speak, and I'll probably say it every time I come up here, but uh, I love my job here at the fellowship. I've been in ministry for 20 years, and I love it for a few reasons. One is because, and this is my humble opinion, I work with an amazing group of individuals who support me, who love me, who, who lean me up when I'm, when I'm struggling, and, and I know that I could always go to them in prayer. Uh, I work with a great group of adult leaders, and um, if you haven't met any of these guys, I have the honor of leading some of the most amazing teenagers. They may be little devils at home. I don't know how they are uh, at home. But here, the most exciting thing about it, Fellowship, is, is your students, is um, Wednesday night, our impact service that we have, you know, we expect to see uh, a good amount of students there who, who are praising Jesus. But what's exciting is, so Jimbo and Julie and Maddie and Stacy, uh, a group of our adults lead life group on Sunday night. And they even show up an hour early for how to study your Bible class. That just blows me away. So I just want to let you know, uh, church, that you have a, an amazing group of teenagers. Justin did an amazing job last week of setting up um, in 1 Samuel 5, and now we're in 1 Samuel 6, and we know that the Philistines have captured the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, they thought it was a great victory, but at the time, as time went on, the Philistines began to regard the Ark as a burden. Now listen, I, I can stop right there. This is how I was. Now a lot of you guys have been here know my testimony that I come from a, a very abusive home, went into foster care, my grandmother got me out, and then a family came and, and it let me come into their home and they showed me the first uh, glimpse of what Jesus looked like. People who love Jesus, not, not just like play Jesus, if that makes sense. It wasn't like, hey, we go to church on Sunday morning, but the rest of the week you will not see Jesus anywhere in our life, okay? That, this family loved Jesus, and I seen that. Now, I didn't love Jesus. Uh, I was mad. I th- for the depression that I was battling. Very angry, right? So, at 14 years old at Bryan College, what I did was, a second part of, of my testimony is, I saw a bunch of students go up to the altar, and they were doing something, and it looked cool, and I thought, I'm going to do that. So I went up, Now I had no idea what was going on. I just didn't, like, you know, like, 
it's always, it's always been amazing how like our prayers end right when the music ends. Have y'all ever noticed that? It's like the last verse and our prayer is just magically over. I don't care what church you're in, where you're at, prayer always ends when the music's done. Y'all ever noticed that? I mean, it's just me. But I did that and I got up and, and I did this thinking that God was going to fix my issues, my problems. I mean, this is God. For I, if I'm going to give God something, then I expect, this is not, now I'm, I'm telling you, this is how I thought. When I give God something, I expect him to give me something back. John Piper calls it the Lone Ranger effect. You, for all of y'all have no, do you have a clue what I'm saying when I say Lone Ranger? I didn't think so. You do, Aunt Olivia? Of course, you're like 70 years old in a teenager body. So, here's, her parents are laughing, Maddie's laughing because they know this is true. But Lone Ranger and Tonto, Tonto spent his whole life um, dedicated to helping Lone Ranger, saving Lone Ranger. And the reason is it's because Lone Ranger saved him from a, a terrible incident that happened. And in their culture, they, if somebody saves me, I'm going to spend my whole life repaying that. That's what I thought this God thing was. I thought, okay, God, I'm going to give you a little part of my life, but I need you to fix every single issue that's going on in my life. And if you don't do that, then you're not worth worshiping. Now, we don't say that out loud, but I said it in my mind, right? I was just trying to appease God, and here's what happened. So when I started following, or thought I was following God, started reading the Bible as much as I could, and I'm like, this God is too much into my business. <laughs> like, dude, this ain't what I signed up for. This whole holiness thing, and, and this and that, and I'm like, I can't use profanity. I was like, this is, I'm just being honest with you. And I was like, this isn't fun at all. I don't want any part of this, and plus, my life still isn't fixed. And this is what happened with the Philistines. They got this ark and they thought, wow, what a trophy. But all of a sudden they knew the presence, the presence of God is around. They started thinking, oh no, this, this is a burden, not a trophy. Why did we keep this thing seven months? Now there's a lot of reasons why they could have kept it seven months at the time. One, they thought of it as a trophy and they thought they had won some great battle or victory over God of Israel. Or maybe they just didn't want to admit that their mini God, their idol God, Dagon, had fallen to God. I don't really know why they kept it seven months. So therefore they knew, because all these plagues came, they knew that they should do something to express their sorrow and repentance before the Lord, capital L. But they didn't do this through biblical repentance. Instead, they did what brings us to our first point, three ways that we um, come into the presence of God or how we react in the presence of God. And the first way is appeasement. This is what I did all those times from 14 to, to 25. I just did things to appease God. And look, you may not be as honest uh, with yourself, but I, I'm just telling you, this is how I acted. If I go to church on Easter and Christmas, that should satisfy God. I'm giving up my time. My time with my family, my time with my friends. I mean, how much time do I have to give this God, right? This is how I talked in my mind. And I'm like, God took my grandmother, so why should I give him the biggest portion of me? So I did things to appease God, and this is what they did. Look at verse 4 or 5 in, in 1 Samuel 6. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, good news, I, I have mine. And it is, it is right up here. 
Verse 4, they asked, what restitution offering should we send back to him? And they answered, five gold tumors and five gold mice corresponded to the number of Philistine rulers. Since there was one plague for both you and your rulers, make images of the tumors and of your mice that are destroying the land. Give glory to Israel's God and perhaps he will stop oppressing you, your gods and your land. See, the Philistines admitted that the God of Israel judged their many gods and had jurisdiction over their lands. They confessed that he was almighty God. I would, I would guarantee you everybody in this place this morning will confess God is God. We don't have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem with that all these years. My problem was I didn't want to give anything to God more of outside of my comfort. Uh, God, you get the comfortable parts of me. You get the parts that are easy for me to worship you, Christmas, Easter. Maybe on Sunday Like when I would show up on a Sunday morning, I was like, hey, God, look at me. I showed up on a Sunday morning. That's how my mind was. And since I showed up on a Sunday morning, God, could you make my week great? Because I'm doing you a favor. How many other people just come in and we start comparing ourselves to other people, right? You remember Johnny down the road that kills cats? He's a little off in his head. I'm better than he. I didn't really know a Johnny who killed cats, but I'm a little better than he is. And, 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 and I'm here, God. How many of us think like that? God, I'm here. I'm here. I knew this morning, I knew I was praying all the way in and I get so nervous uh, every time I speak, like I almost walked in the girl's bathroom this morning, really did. Um, I knew, but when I walked in the building, I knew that God was in control of all this. One, because Clay Pender was here an hour early. Yes, yeah, that deserves a hand in itself. I never knew uh, that, Clay, I've never seen you this time of the morning when I came in. Where is Clay? There you go, man, I was up. It's like, Clay, you got up? No, Cameron got me up. I'm like, okay, I got it now. We often act the same. No, we don't offer gold to God, but we offer our acts to him with the intent of appeasing God. We do this thinking he will allow us to do whatever we want the rest of the year or the rest of the week, and we serve and give for our own benefit. And that's what I did. I, I worshiped myself. Man, Wade sent me an amazing, I gotta share this with you. He sent me a meme. Uh, and listen to this, random churchgoer, I didn't really like worship today. Francis Chan replied, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> Man, and, and that's how a lot of times we respond to God. So we go to church on, on Easter and Christmas or even every other Sunday with the intent of appeasing God. And we do this thinking... Okay, God, since I gave this to you, I'm going to take some time for myself and do what I want to do so that we can pursue our own way of life and our own idols. I have no problem confessing to this room five years ago, I did worship Alabama football. I was born in Alabama. When you're born in Alabama, people don't care about the education or anything like that. They're like, hey, are you an Alabama fan or the other school? There's another school in, in Alabama. The name escapes me, but it's there. Hey, don't worry. We don't worry about so much. That's why we rank last in education, right? Mississippi's ahead of us. We are failing so bad, so bad. 
In fact, the last time I spoke, uh, they were making fun of me in staff meeting because I used a double negative. Uh, apparently, I said done did. All right? But I've worked on that. You don't have to worry about that because I've done did it, so I'm not going to do it again. Um, but the thing, thing about it is, I worshiped Alabama football, and we have a hard time. Just like the Philistines, had, they had a hard time, like, admitting that, okay, this is God, and this is our idol, Dagon, and God is God. And our idols are nothing. Like Justin said, everything we stand up to God is going to crumble, whether now or whether in the end, in Philippians, when as Paul writes that every knee will bow, every tongue will come. It's coming. It's going to happen. So I, I thought to myself, I was like, maybe... And maybe you have been here. I should stop treating God like a good luck charm. I'm going to church so my Monday will be good. I'm going to church because that will make God happy and all these problems I'm going through are going to go away. For those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you probably laugh when you hear that. When people say, hey, and there are some, te- there are some preachers on TV when I'm watching it, my mind is blown. I'm like, how do all these people follow these people that say, hey, you worship Jesus, your whole life's going to be amazing. And then there's these Christians sitting over here like miserable because they're like, this ain't happening for me because it don't work that way. You go over into Luke 9, there was three men who wanted to follow Jesus until Jesus laid it out and said, hey, the Son of God has nowhere to even lay his head. And that's when people are like, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't, I didn't sign up. If God isn't going to fix my problems, if God isn't going to make these things go away, I want no part of it. And I'm telling you guys, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will know in John 16, 33, where Jesus said, he, he said it. You're going to have trouble. It's coming. Whether you're living it now or you're going to go through it, the trouble is going to come. But the encouragement he shared at the end when he said, don't lose heart because I have overcome the world. So here's more of how the Philistines appeased God. They, they wanted to put him to a test in verse 7. Now then prepare one new cart and two, two milk cows that have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pin them up. Take the ark of the Lord, place it on the cart, and put the gold objects that you're sending him as a restitution offering in a box inside the ark. Now, you need to know the Philistines knew enough from Numbers 4, they knew enough not to look inside the ark. Remember that. Send it off on its way, verse 9, then watch. If it goes up the road to its homeland toward Beth Shemesh, it is the Lord who has made this terrible trouble for us. However, if it doesn't, we will know that it was not his hand that punished us. It was just something that happened to us by chance. So here the Philistines conducted an experiment and they thought all the calamity of the plagues was from the Lord God of Israel, but they were not 100% sure. So they devised another test, which is this is how we are. Men are almost reluctant to repent. The point here would be or should be, if it's dishonoring to God, stop making excuses for it, repent and change your behavior. But this is not what they did. So the test was simple and stacked against God by nature. Two milk cows, which have never been yoked, should not pull a cart at all. Instead, they should have resisted their yokes. And additionally, they decided to take their calves calves home away from them. And so the maternal instinct of these two female cows, there's a story in that with all itself. But, But the two female cows, so they took 
the, cows, the calves away from them. I mean, any of you mothers in here know the maternal instinct is, hey, you're taking my babies and I'm coming after them, right? That's what should have happened. So the maternal instinct of the cows would draw them not towards the land of Israel, but back to their own calves. So the Philistines divide a test that forced the God of Israel to do something miraculous to demonstrate he really was the cause of the place. This is, I don't know if you see the mercy in this passage. Yes, there are plagues. There are things going on where God is getting their attention and saying, hey, stop worshiping idols. What do I have to do to get your attention? But the mercy, look at how much time is going on and how much time they're preparing to put God through this test. And God still has the mercy to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pull off one of the most miraculous acts you've ever seen just to show you guys that I am who I say I am. So verse 8 We can see they handled the transporting of the art wrong. And though this was the way of transporting, or this way of transporting art was prohibited by the law, God excused the Philistines because the ignorance of his law. They were religiously ignorant. God had mercy on them because they didn't know any better. So I want you to notice in verse 8, the Philistines, as religiously ignorant as they were, they were, they were smart enough not to open up the ark and look inside. No, that happened once the ones who knew better got a hold of the ark, which brings us to our second point, which is entitlement, religiously arrogant. Before we go to this second point, I want you to take notice of the remarkable miracle of the ark arriving. Two cows who never pulled a cart before, either alone or together, no driver led them, yet they left home, marched the 10 miles or so to a city they had never been to, They left their own cabs behind and went straight on a certain road with never a wrong turn, never a stop, never a turning aside into fields to feed themselves, never turning back to feed their own calves. And right here, the Philistines, this is God saying, guys, open your eyes. And it's further proof that God don't even need us to carry anything out. He used two cows to show how much glory he has. It's like, okay, if y'all ain't going to worship me, watch the cows. They're going to do exactly, seriously, watch the cows. They're going to do exactly what I tell them to do. They're not going to do it out of appeasement. They're not going to battle or struggle with this. They're going to march the 10 miles. And they're not going to turn left and they're not going to turn right. And they're not going to go back to their calves. They're not even going to stop to eat. When the Levites took down the ark of the Lord, the Israelites were careful to let the Levites handle the ark as was commanded by the law in Numbers 4. Beth Shemesh was a priestly city. You can find that in Joshua 21. So priests were on hand. So the Israelites were doing things right. The Philistines weren't. So far, though, the Israelites were doing everything that they knew right to do until in verse 19, it all changes. Look at verse 19. The men did this. They took two milk cows, hitched them over to the cart and confined their calves in the pen. But then they put the ark of the Lord on the cart along with the box containing the gold, mice, and images of the tumors. Oh, I'm in verse 11. Sorry about that, guys. In verse 19, God struck down the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked inside the ark of the Lord. So right there. So the people that didn't know no better, the Philistines, they were not even, they knew, put the gold beside 
the ark. Do not look inside of it. But the people who knew God, they were like, hey, we're entitled to this. So we're going to look inside of it. And I know we have a hard time to say that a lot of times we act like we're entitled. I sit in a church meeting one time, uh, before my last position before I came here, where that church had made some uh, changes as far as they were going to move some people to the top floor. So the bottom floor, the children would be all for the children. For the children now. Keep that in mind. And a man stood up and said, hey, if you're doing this, then I'm taking all the chairs I donated back. And I'm like, I looked at my pastor, I was like, is this a joke? Like, I thought I was on one of those camera shows, <laughs> you know what I mean? He said, no, I don't think it's a joke. The pastor didn't know. And sure enough, not only did he take the chairs back, he took all the pictures they hung on the wall. Because somehow in our mind, we, we honestly think everything belongs to us. We think we're the ones that usher in the presence of God. We are really that arrogant at times. Woo, man, if I wouldn't have been at worship this morning raising my hand, God wouldn't have been there. And, and, and we, 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 we put labels on God like, hey, if the worship wasn't good, God wasn't there. If the message wasn't good, God wasn't there. And don't dare go past 12 o'clock. Now, we start early, so we don't have to. If I preach at 12 o'clock, y'all probably would vote me out, right? Because that's two hours. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, we worship our watches more than we do God at times. This is just things I'm saying out loud about me. Man, pastor was a little flat today. I couldn't pay attention to the pastor. He was wearing scarves. I don't know what you're saying. told Justin I was going to get him. I just had to sneak it in there. You know? <laughs> Amen. Even though he's a Florida fan, I don't really have to tell me any jokes. Amen. So where God gave the Philistines a pass for handling the ark incorrectly because of their spiritual ignorance, he did not do that for the Israelites. Why? Because they knew better. We know better. We know better. For, for those of us who love Jesus, like we're, we're truly 100% biblically rescued by Jesus. We know that appeasement's the wrong way. We know that we're not entitled to anything. We don't own our kids. We don't own our houses. We don't own any. It all belongs to God. Colossians, everything was made for him by him. Everything belongs to God and we have such a hard time with that because we're like, no, my kids are mine. My house is mine. My money is mine. My car is mine. Everything is mine. When God creeps into that, we have a problem. We know better. So they looked into the ark and somehow they thought they were entitled to break God's commandments and God did this because the Israelites who had his law should have and did know better. It is sad to consider that the Philistines showed more honor to the holiness of God than the Israelites did who claimed that they are the ones who worshiped God. Truly, their presumption of entitlement to look into ark burned them and God did make them pay for it. He did judge them. It's kind of the reason I get so nervous before I stand up here to preach because I know that God said, hey, we're, I'm going to judge you a little bit stricter than I do everybody else. 
When we have that sense of entitlement at times, maybe we think, well, I've been going to church my whole life, so I can handle God's word any way I want. So we start adding to it, taking from it. We're just so careless with the word of God. And we have just all the way back in Genesis, and this is what I try to teach the students all the time. There is one mission for the enemy, kill, steal, and destroy. In John 10, 10, everybody wants to jump to the life more abundant part, but we have to recognize the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy your families, your life, your school, your friends, your everything. And so we can't just handle God's word any way we want because back in Genesis, that's what the enemy did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? There's a generation of teenagers these days that don't really truly understand or know how powerful the word of God is because they're offended because some of their friends said, hey, your God really didn't say this. Would a God really say this? Would a God really expect this? And in 66 books, I can honestly tell you, yes, I believe everything that God said in scripture is relevant to today. Old Testament and New Testament. We don't pick and choose what parts of God we want to believe in. It's either all of him or none of him. We're not entitled to anything. In fact, we should have, just like the Israelites, we should have a, a sense of gratefulness and thankfulness. Now, maybe we think, okay, I've been going to church my whole life, so I'll just do what I want to do. Maybe you've had the thought, well, I mean, look at how much mission work I've done. Look, look, how, look how many classes I have taught in my life as a believer. Look at how God's got to be very pleased with me. So I'm entitled to sort of live how I want to live every now and then. There's grace. Like we will live, we will live like the devil and try to play the legalism card. If God said things, that isn't legalism, that, that's his word. Legalism is when we try to earn God's favor by doing a list of chores, right? Well, I've done this and, and you, all this long resume of things that we have done for God. And it reminds me of some of the scariest words in scripture, which is Matthew 7, 21, 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you're lawbreakers. So if appeasement and entitlement is not the correct way to come into the presence of God, what is the correct way to come into the presence of God? And I'm glad you asked because that brings us to our third point, which is Surrender. Surrender, easy to say, harder to do. It's a word that makes most people feel uncomfortable. It means relinquishing control and entrusting yourself to someone else. Something that the Philistines and the Israelites did not do on this day is surrender. I remember uh, by the time uh, I got into the Navy, I'd signed with the Navy and I went up to Virginia and they put me on an aircraft carrier and I was, a, I was from a town in Alabama with a like, population of three people, right? And they were all kin to me. So the thing about it was, I'm, now I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this big boat. So I get on the boat, right? It's a true story. I didn't know what to expect. So I go to sleep that night and, and I had my alarm set because I did not, did not want to miss um, Reveille, which was roll call in, in, in the morning. So I had it set for 5 a.m and we slept in these little racks, right? Like this much space. And, and I normally like during boot camp and all that, the way that I treated it getting up so early, as soon as my alarm went off, I just popped up. 
I just popped up, you know, because I didn't want to lay there, right? If I laid there, I was going to fall back to sleep. Do I need to tell you what happened that morning? My, I, got, I, I, I promise you I had a concussion. They didn't believe me. My alarm went off. I rose up, and man, it hit me so hard, right? I thought, man, th- this is how I'm going to die. And so I go in forever, and then I go down, and they put this blindfold on you because you have to pass this test to get from where our office was to, to the hangar deck at the top of the ship. You have to do that blindfolded because they just say if the ship catches on fire, you have to navigate through smoke. So here I am blindfolded, arrogant. Man, I was arrogant. And I was so, I was so bad. Like in the Navy, remember, I thought I knew Jesus, but I really didn't know Jesus. It was just, I just appeasing Jesus, but I was so bad. I got my good conduct model, so I wasn't bad in the Navy. I was bad outside of the Navy. Does that make sense? That's like saying, I'm not bad in church. I'm just bad out of church. You know, <laughs> it cracks, cracks me up sometimes. I realized this years ago when I was gossiping about somebody in church. You, you ever notice we whisper? You ever notice that? Like God can't hear us. I won't say it out. I won't say it out loud when I get outside the church. But in church, I'm going to whisper. And man, I started bumping into things, and 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 I was trying to do it on my own, and trying to guide myself on my own, and I couldn't find my way. And then eventually, I just fell down. I, I wanted to cry. I was broken. My senior chief come up to me and he said, um, "I'm going to give you about ten minutes to gather yourself. I'm going to close the door so people won't laugh at you." When they're walking, because they will laugh at you the same way I did. He was an honest chief. He said, one thing you got to realize, while you're here, you are never going to be able to do anything on your own. You're always going to need the help of other people who know what they're doing. It's the same way here. I've been in youth ministry 20 years. I'm so incredible that Lynn was in student ministry way before me, that Justin's been in student ministry, Aaron's done student ministry. I have all these people to pull from. But that's how I started to look at God. When I shifted and Jesus found me, I didn't find Jesus. He, he found me. And when I gave my heart to him, it was me crying out of surrender saying, Hey, God, I, I need to let you know I've been trying to do this on my own for so long. I have tried to appease you. I have tried to treat you like a good love charm. I have tried to treat you any other way than what the Bible shows me. And that is surrender. Surrender not because I have to. Surrender because I am so in love with you and what you did for me. Listen, let me show you the, uh, an amazing act of, of surrender. And all of you know Zacchaeus, right? In Luke 19, verse 1, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus, talking about Jesus who was passing through. Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd. And since he, since he was a short man, Abby, Kayla, there you go. I told you, Short people. God loves short people too. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And since he was about to pass that way, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's going to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extra, 
If I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to just get a glimpse of Jesus. I have a hard time showing up at 10. He climbed a tree. Abby, have you ever climbed a tree to catch a glimpse of anybody? No, I hope not. He wanted to see Jesus that bad. Have you ever missed church and felt like this this struggle in your soul because you want to be here so bad, but there's reasons you had to miss that that had to happen, but your heart is like, I want to be there. I want to be with my family. I want to be there worshiping God. And when we watch it online, it just doesn't give us that same feel as when we come into God's house and we worship him. And we don't come, look, we don't come to church. And here's a mistake a lot of times I think we make because I've heard people my whole life say, I'm going to church today expecting a blessing because we still think church is all about us. We don't come to give God anything. We come to receive everything that God has to rece- for us to receive, whether it's through his word. We lay everything down to him. It's not the other way around. And Zacchaeus climbed a tree just to catch a glimpse. And when he come down from that tree, immediate surrender. That's what it looks like when we fall in love with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, look, I I love you. So I'm going to give away half of what I own. If I've I've offended anybody, I'm going to apologize. Can you imagine you apologizing to people that you are in arguments with? We're so bad at that in church, right? Because it feels so good just to be mad at everybody. And we're like, well, God, the the whole uh, entitlement thing, well, God don't expect me to do that, right? I understand that you probably don't hear my prayers because I'm mad at every single, but we get like that. But when we surrender, it's that moment in our life where we're like, God, you are God. You own everything. Everything that I have is yours, including myself. We live the life of Galatians 2.20, not just a Bible verse printed on a t-shirt. But we live, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our whole attitude changes from appeasement like the Philistines did. No longer do we think we're entitled to anything, but now we're living a life of surrender. We were honestly falling in love with Jesus, not because of anything that he did to fix our life or to handle those issues. And Jesus does do that on his time and his will. But man, we just come, we come because we want to catch a glimpse of Jesus is waiting him come back to the stage. We come just wanting to catch a glimpse. And isn't it so much like Jesus? Then when Zacchaeus come down from that tree, he was just wanting to catch a glimpse. And then Jesus said, hey, guess what? I'm here to stay. 
I'm about to change your life in ways that you have never, ever, ever known. People are still going to probably hate you. You're a tax collector. Your money isn't going to mean as much to me because it's not about that. But Zacchaeus, your heart of loving me so much because recognizing that I loved you first is what's going to happen when one day you're going to walk into eternity and you're going to see, oh my goodness, the surrender was the right way to come into the presence of God. Church, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're, if you're living for God in an appeasement type way. You just come to appease God, wanting him to fix your life, wanting him to fix your week, wanting him to fix your marriage, wanting him to fix your friendships, wanting him to fix your job situation. And you're like, if I just go to church, God will do all that, right? Because look at me, I'm at church. I did that. It's okay to admit that. How in the world does God fix us if we won't tell him, hey, God, this is what's broken? Because trust me, God fixed brokenness. And brokenness is not a bad place to be then we're being made new by God we're being repaired by God we're not acting like we're entitled to anything well, I'm just going to show up I'm going to live how I want to live God owes me that but instead I pray this morning that you fall at his feet that you, that you give him this time to say hey God you know what I am so sorry for appeasing you I am so sorry for being religiously arrogant I am so sorry but I want to be the way Zacchaeus was. I just want to catch a glimpse of you. Just a glimpse of Jesus will change your life forever. And guess what? He's going to stay. The church, as you stand this morning, they're there. There's two stations on the side with, with cards that you can write down your prayer request. And we as a staff pray for those prayer requests. We really do pray for them every Monday. Maybe you want, there'll be people on the side. Maybe you want to talk to them. Maybe, you do whatever God... Life is... Humbled. Through this passage, Lord, of the ways, the, the mercy that you are still showing us today that we don't... But Lord, we, we have that heart that Zacchaeus had, that heart of... I just want to catch a glimpse of the Son of God who gave his life for me. Did not deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was God's will and Jesus' choice to die for us so that we would have hope in a broken world full of sin, full of violence, full of tragedy, full of sadness. But yet we can celebrate that you have overcome the world. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. And may he receive all the glory today. For it's in his name we pray.